I want you to imagine a cigarette smoker, <clears throat> Bob. Here's a scenario. <clears throat> Bob has just finished a cigarette, but he's done it with disgust. Because Bob said, I want to I quit doing that. It's killing me. It's destroying God's work. I mean, I'm tasked with guarding this tabernacle. I want to, this temple, I mean, I want to safeguard it. I, I hate these things. And he snuffs it out. I'm done. And immediately another smoker comes up and sees Bob seated in the smoking area with no cigarette. And kindly, as any gentleman would, says, would you like a cigarette? To which Bob kindly replies, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. It's a good response. It's a, it's a good response for all the reasons that Bob just outlined. He wants to quit. He wants to change this action of smoking cigarettes. And then there's Joe. Joe also likes to toke on a camel every once in a while. And he comes up and, and Bob sits there and watch Joe light up this camel cigarette, and then he watches Joe go through the exact same process he just went through. And he, he's observing Joe be disgusted, and, and Joe snuffs the cigarette out, throws it down, and says, I'm, I'm done. And sure enough, another kind-hearted smoker comes up and sees Joe without a cigarette, and he says, hey, you want to smoke? And Joe looks at him and says, nah, I don't smoke. Who has the better chance of quitting? It's the same scenario. It's two different responses. They just put a cigarette out. They literally just did it. They just made a decision. And Bob says, nah, I'm, I'm trying to quit. And Joe says, no, I don't smoke. And Bob says, you just did. You just did. You just put out a cigarette. You, you, you. Joe says, I know, but I don't anymore. And the difference is subtle, but it's there. It's the difference between ceasing an action as the person you are and becoming the person you want to be. That's the difference. Now let's talk about your brain. Your brain is your friend. Your brain keeps you alive. Your brain does all kinds of things for you, which are mostly completely unknown to you. Your autonomic nervous system, heart, lungs, digestion, your fight or flight response, and something that we've talked about before, homeostasis. It keeps your body in check and comfortable. That's what your brain really likes to do for you. Keep you comfortable. And one of the ways that your brain repeatedly keeps you comfortable is by encouraging you to do the things that you have repeatedly told your brain you like to do. That's one of the things your brain does for you. It gives you what you want. And, and listen, some of the things that you tell your brain you like to do, they're physiological. Smoking as an example. There's a physiological response from the nicotine and what it does to your body, which develops a physical addiction. But what about, what about the psychological component that develops through a repeated action? Man, woo, it's been a rough day, I need a smoke. Or, 
I like, I just finished a delicious meal. Uh, this is when I have a cigarette. Or I, when I drive down the road, I smoke cigarettes. Yeah, there's a physiological response, but we would call most of those things psychological. We would call them, we talked a lot about it last week, we'd call them habits. It's my habit. I have a, I, that's what I do. I have a cigarette after a meal. or a, I, It's my habit. I get in, start the car, fire up a smoke. It's, it's what I do. And for all those reasons, your brain will give you what you want. It will. Because you will be happy. And in some form of homeostasis when that occurs. Cigarettes are bad. Did anyone know that? Because you come here to learn... So I want to let you know, cigarettes are bad. And some people would call it sinning to smoke, because as Bob and Joe just noted, you're defiling your temple and all that. But listen, there are worse, there, there are many, many worse things that we build our habits around. And we're going to get probably fairly uncomfortable right now. Can you, can you walk through it with me? And this is in particular right now, this is an adult message. But if you have teenagers, they need to be counted adults for what I'm about to say. What if I told you that most of the sins that you commit are because you want to? Would that surprise you? Or maybe more appropriately, I told you that, that you've told your brain enough times, this makes me feel good. And your brain responded as it's supposed to. It, it helps you feel good. Now, there's a wonderful Jewish teaching uh, idea, really, that tells us that when we sin, we're actually temporarily insane. That we've lost our mind for the moment. Because actually knowing God, knowing how he loves you, knowing his attributes, knowing all that he's done, you would never consciously sin. You'd never hurt God consciously. So you had to have lost your mind temporarily during a, an, a, a sin moment. Okay, now that's, that's nice. It's a, it's a beautiful thought. <clears throat> And there's some merit. But, but let's stick to the brain thing. Because, as I said, what if I tell you most of the sins that you commit are because you want to, or you told your brain enough times, I like this, this makes me feel good, and your brain said, bam, done, got it. Pornography. It's a horrendous problem in our world. Horrendous Problem, more than ever before because of the ease of access and everyone has a phone and a computer and a watch that's connected and it's destroying men, it's destroying women, it's destroying children, it's destroying families. Marriages destroyed. The beautiful act between a man and woman in love Destroyed. Its effects are devastating and millions of people are addicted to it. And for a variety of reasons, we could describe it as sinful. If we go through the Torah's perspective, we could say, well, that's not being fruitful and multiplying. Or we could go to the sin of own and say, well, you don't, you don't spill seed in vain. Or we can go to Yeshua's line that says, wow, don't look at another person with lust in your eyes. Not only are you looking, you're definitely acting. 
There's a lot of sin justifications we can give, but you know what? There are probably very, very good people, men and women in this room who struggle with this issue. And for me to callously suggest to stand up here holier than thou, presenting myself as the rabbi with all the answers who I'm going to talk down to you, for me to callously suggest you're doing that because you want to, would likely be met with, I truly beg your pardon, I am not. I am not. I do not want to. I know what it's doing to me. I know what, what the guilt feels like. I know what this, if, this, if this secret were revealed, what it would do to me, to my reputation, to my wife, to my family, to my husband, to my career, whatever. I'm trying to quit. To which I would respond, good. Now's the time for that. Right now is the time for that. And secondly, I would ask, well, how long have you been trying to quit? And third, I would say, you know what? I think we should probably take another approach. But you know, that, that is such an easy example. I know some of you, some of you can relate to it. I get it. Some of you cannot. So here's another one for you. What about gossip? What about Lashon Hurrah? What about speaking terribly about people in your private conversations? What about judging other people because they don't think, believe, look, act like you do? That's, that's actually considered a, a horrendous sin in Judaism. And how would it make you feel if I told you, you know what, you do that because you like it. You like doing that. Something about that makes you feel better about yourself or your own, your own faults or, or not so bad when we compare ourselves to them. At, at least I'm not. Or did you hear what so-and-so did? Can you believe? Have you seen And I know it's hard to hear, but part of us likes that. And your brain says, when you, when you do that, when you do that, your brain says, ah, I like, this feels good. Ah, mark it down. Habit, habit, habit. Let's make this something we do. And it'll make them feel good. And occasionally we might hurt someone bad enough that we take note of it. We say, ugh. Or, or we hear a teaching about Lashon Harab, about evil speech that reminds us that it kills three people. The one speaking, the one being spoken to, and the one being spoken about. That it's deadly, that it's as bad as killing someone. We hear that teaching and we're like, ugh, oh, okay, all right. I, I don't want to do, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to quit doing that. I don't want to talk about people. Good, I say, it's a worthwhile goal. It's a hard goal, actually. If you really pay attention to how many conversations you are a part of or over here in a day, I want you to think about right now, especially Kelly and I are really doing it. Mostly Kelly is reminding me to do it. Listen to how many things are said about other people. And it's almost like you can't get out of it. But I would say, good, that's, that's something that needs to be done. It's a hard goal. 
But maybe we need to consider another approach. Now, maybe for you, it's not sin in in the traditional sense, like we talked about last week. Maybe you're a person who struggles with fear. Maybe you have an extreme sensitivity. Maybe you're a horrible discourager to other people. Bitterness, you have a victim mentality. You have low self-confidence, none of which are easy to overcome. They're not easy to overcome, especially when your brain is saying, you need this. You need to be this person. This is safe space. No, no, no. Don't don't go out of there. Don't let the walls down. You know what happens when you do that. You're going to get hurt. So you stay there. And patterns of reinforced behavior develop. And we could say habits, but it's deeper than that. It's much more than actions. It's an identity. It's an identity. And it's tough, but that's what we're talking about. You see, the high holidays, the high holidays are not just about quitting actions. They're not just about making a decision. I don't want to do that anymore. They're about becoming someone new. Wow, that's cliche. What does that mean? Well, Bob versus Joe. I'm trying to quit doing this thing. No, I'm not a person who does these things. Do you see that subtle difference? It sounds the same. It's not. It's the difference between ceasing an action and developing a new identity. More than being the person who does a thing, you become the person who would never entertain doing such a thing. You become the person who desires no benefit or happiness from doing said thing because you're not that person anymore. Because it is inconsistent with who I am. And you can do that. You can do that no matter what the thing is. You can do it. Do you know why? Because God gave you a gift. He he did. Actually, he's given you a lot of gifts, but he gave you one. And right now, someone is saying, thank God, finally, I've been here for three years. I've never heard the rabbi present the gospel. That finally, he's going to tell me, oh, thank you, Lord, that, that we're totally helpless and we have to give it all to Jesus. And I've been waiting for that gospel message. Well, that's not exactly what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you a part of that because some of that is part of the gospel. But I want to tell you about God's gifts to you. The good news. Who wants some good news? Evangelion. Who wants some good news? Good. About how much he loves you. He gave you this ability. Here's a gift. He gave you the ability to repent. From before the foundations of the earth, Judaism tells us, repentance existed. That means change. That means turn. That means stop going the wrong direction. And in that process, he gave you an advocate, a perfect Messiah. Yeshua is his name. He can vouch for you before the perfectly holy God of the universe. When you declare your allegiance to this Messiah, he can vouch for you and the things you've done can be forgiven and forgotten. Well, not held against you. Not held against you. That's what repentance in Yeshua, and and as part of this whole gift, guess what? God gave you a season. It's right now. 
you're in it. You're in the middle of a season that even if you've already asked for forgiveness that's available in Yeshua, you can ask again. You can ask anytime. And guess what? You can focus right now on yourself. Really take inventory, repent, change. But let me ask you this question. What are you going to change? You're going to change a set of just some actions. You're going to say, ah, I don't want to do that. Well, sure, that's a part of it. But that part comes when you take advantage of the second gift God gave you. The first gift, the ability to make tshuva, to repent, to turn. And accompanied by this second, uh, is a second powerful gift. It's called rewiring. Anyone ever heard of neuroplasticity? You surely have by now. Neuroplasticity the, is the general umbrella term that refers to the brain's ability to modify, change, adapt both structure and function throughout life and in response to an experience. Remember what I told you your brain does for you? It keeps you alive, keeps you comfortable, tries hard to keep you happy. And so the things that you tell your brain that you like intentionally or unintentionally through the habits Development of habits, your brain's going to do those things for you. And your brain is going to influence you to become a certain kind of person. But listen to me. We are not animals. Thank God. He placed within us the image of himself. And along with that comes the ability to make changes. We're not driven solely by instinct. We're cognitive beings, higher creatures, spiritual creations. And God gave us this gift of rewiring. Now listen, neuroplasticity is not a magic thing. Irvin could testify to this as a doctor of psychology. Neuroplasticity does not mean all of a sudden if I start saying a mantra over and over again, all of a sudden I can encourage my brain to magically make neurons and synapses and get rid of my stinking thinking by just saying, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. And your brain makes you one because you start doing all. That's not what neuroplasticity is. But neuroplasticity is real. It is a ability of a human being to create new pathways in their brain, to think differently. And a part of that process of thinking differently is creating within yourself what? A new identity. It is possible. It's not simple. Through convincing your brain of this one simple thing, you've got the wrong information. I am not that person. I am not a person who does that. I am not a person who derives benefit from doing that. Doing that does not make me happy. I may have been five minutes ago, or last week, I really enjoyed that, or a year ago, or 15 years of my life. But I'm not anymore. I have, I have turned the wheel on my tractor just a little bit. I am a person of progress just a little bit. But you know what? A long time before neuroplasticity was this incredible sage of Judaism named Eliyahu ben Shlomo Zalman. Short name. The Vilna Gaon. Living in the 18th century. He wrote a ton of commentaries. One which was on Mishle Dalet, the Proverbs 4, particularly 426, the New American Standard says, watch the path of your feet 
and all your ways will be established. The Vilna, Gaon, in his commentary, he writes, straighten the circuit of your feet and all your ways will be set. I want to read you a little bit of what he said. I've already written that there are two types of character traits, natural traits, which man has from birth, and traits which one acquires through habit. The traits which man has from birth are referred to as his ways, for they are ways that he follows from when he was created. The traits which are acquired are referred to as hergel, habit, etymolo etymologically related to regel, foot, which I talked to you from Rabbi Coopersmith's article last week. He, these traits which are acquired are referred to as hergel, for he has habituated himself to act according to them. The habitual traits must be guarded against and straightened. When he does so, then his natural traits will be guarded as a matter of course. This is what the verse was referring to when it stated, straighten the circuit of your feet, i.e., the bad habits which have become your traits must be straightened so that slowly but surely these negative traits are eradicated. It then becomes part of one's nature to act properly. What did he just say? You can neuroplasticize your brain. He didn't talk like that. He was from Bulgaria or somewhere else. But he said you've acquired bad habits. You have a good natural part of you that's been there from the beginning that God gave you. And you created other habits that have driven you far from who God made you to be. And here's where the gospel message that some people may want to hear is going to go in a little bit of different direction. The Vilna Gaon is saying, guess what? It's up to you. You got, a, you got a big rewiring project ahead of you. As a matter of fact, there's a very common Jewish Musar understanding. Character trait developments in Musar, very well-known idea. It's in the Talmud in three different places. It says, listen to this, man merits divine assistance in proportion to his efforts to achieve purity. Do you hear what I just said? I'll say it again. Man merits divine assistance in proportion to his efforts to achieve purity. To, one, one, to that statement, one might respond from coming from a very traditional perspective, might say, whoa, stop. You're telling me, Rabbi, that God bases his help to me on the effort that I put forth? You're suggesting that? In terms of your eternal salvation, no, I'm not suggesting that. Although, although, genuine repentance, your desire for repentance and salvation, that comes from you. So yeah, part of it. But that's not what we're talking about in the high holidays, in Elul, this process. And we're talking about the life you lead today, which certainly has eternal consequences. Becoming the person God made you to be versus the person you have made yourself to be. There is a difference. And sometimes that space is wider than I can get my arms way different between who you're made to be and who you actually are. And that space in between, I'm telling you, the more you put in, the more you get out because you get more help. 
Now, we can, we can find that idea long before the Vilna Gaon. We can, we can find this idea before the Talmud. We can find this idea about rewiring from this amazing guy named Shaul. Never changed his name. His name was Shaul. He was a disciple of Yeshua. You know him? He wrote a lot of good things. One of these he said famously in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, or I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Now listen to that. Listen to what I just said. Who's doing the doing? I am. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. As a matter of fact, I must do them and thank God that he has given me a gift. It is the spirit within me. It is the gift of Mashiach. It is what he left me behind. It is a spirit of guidance which gives me strength to do the things I must do. I can do all things with this strength I have received from Messiah. So if you want the complete gospel to take into the holidays, here it is. It is about repentance, yes. That's the covering. It's the forgiveness. And anyone demonstrating genuine repentance can find it. But who in their right mind wants to clean up the mess you've made and come right back to the same place where you started? That is insanity. The point is to change. The rewiring is part of the gospel. Repent and rewire for the kingdom has come near. I added that. You're not supposed to do that, but it makes sense. That's part of the gospel. We become someone different, even if it's little by little, even if it's the little tractor turn out of the ruts, little by little identity shift. It's not, it's not that I don't want to do that thing. It's not that I never want to be the person who would want to do that thing. This is the definition of becoming a new creation in Christ. Listen, you gotta, you, you gotta cover the rear. You gotta, you gotta look back. You gotta deal with what got you to where you are. You do. You need to deal with that. But you gotta look ahead. And again, Shaul, a human being who I love. People struggle with Paul so badly, but when you read him in a Jewish context and you really understand him, he's really so real. And writing about life and the journey, and he says again in Philippians 3, Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. I press on, I do the work, I make the change, and I receive divine assistance in time of need. I know it's strong. But it's true. And listen to me. If you have an addiction to pornography or whatever, whatever the thing is, first of all, come and talk to me. I'll walk through it with you. No judgment. I don't care. 
I will, I will walk with you anywhere. But what you can't do, whatever the thing is, is you can't just say, God, take this desire away from me. I don't want to do this thing anymore. I'm going to be very hard with you right now. It's not enough. Maybe it's a start. But to the Vilnagon's points, you've acquired traits, habits. You've, you've made the life you have. Become a person who does this or does that. You know, pornography is a one of a thousand examples, not necessarily worse than other things. It is rarely enough to say, God, take it away. But I say rarely because I have seen radical instances, though I hate the word, of deliverance from addictions and different things. I've seen it happen. It's rare where God just magically says, okay, I'll take it away. Jewish perspective, again, believe in miracles, but don't count on them. Straighten the circuit of your feet and all your ways will be sent, will set. It is the gift of God to rewire. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Trust me, my friends, trust me. I have lived a horribly reckless, sinful life in stages of my life. Many times I repented. And I know many people like me who, who repented. I don't want to do that thing. And they asked God to take it away. And many times he did not. And in my life, he never did. Magically. I didn't go to bed with a certain sinful desire or a bad attitude or something I was bad at or did bad and wake up the next day and say, oh, thank God. Wow, that was easy. Because that is easy. And you don't learn very much. In this life, you will have some trouble. But God never really did just magically take it away. And maybe because I wasn't really ready to let it go. Is it our brain holding on to it? Or maybe our inclination telling our brain that we need it? Uh, uh, I'm a person who, who, who did X, Y, Z. And then, then though, then... However you get there, and that's the thing I can't tell you. I can't tell you how to get there, to be the person who says, I, am a, I, I was doing X, Y, Z. Today, now, I am not a person who does X, Y, Z. I know that's simplified, and I know it's not that easy. And in no way am I suggesting that we don't do that with God and that he doesn't give us strength and power to do those things. But I am suggesting to you, that you must realize that who you are probably, possibly, is not who God made you to be in your fullness. Those natural traits that God gave me, those the formed in his image kind of things have been replaced by acquired traits of all sorts, and we need to deal with those things. And friends, when trouble comes, stop. When you are faced with one of these situations, stop. Ask for strength and say, I am not 
a person who does this. I am not a person who derives happiness or pleasure from this. And guess what? You might not even believe it. I wouldn't believe it. But eventually, as you move through becoming the person that God has created you to be, and you say, I am not that person, I am, I am this person. You, you press on, as Paul says, little turns, rewiring takes time. We're getting started on it right now. And listen, all or nothing attitudes can be detrimental. I was getting in touch with my feminine side and I read The Jewish Woman on Chabad. I love the emails that women, the insight that comes. And she wrote, avoid all or nothing thinking. You will have many opportunities each day to practice and strengthen positive habits. You might find that in the course of a day, you are confronted with your negative habits some. But as you begin to say, I am not that person and you replace and you rewire and reprogram and convince and bribe your brain. It can be done. I've done it. I have been through some miraculous transformations that took years of work and it is not about me. Please, God, don't think that I am promoting myself or putting myself above you on any level. I should be down here I'm just telling you, it can be done. I've done it. And it changes your life when you become a different person. Person God made you to be. There's a man in the back who was addicted to crack cocaine. He's sitting here reading from the Torah this morning. It can be done. There are addicts of all types. It's very difficult. It can be done. There are mean, horrible people in the world who become new people. It can be done. You need the strength which God has placed within you. And you need to do the work. And this is from Chabad, I mean from the Jewish woman. Listen to this. One action is better than a thousand laments. Today, one action is better than a thousand laments. You say, all right, I have repented. Rewiring phase. This service is called, this, this series is called Real Repentance. You know why? This is real. This is how it gets. It's not a magic formula. You don't just all of a sudden wake up totally fixed. This is what it really looks like to confront yourself where you are and go somewhere else. Be someone else. And you will accomplish it with intention and a slightly different approach than the things you may have tried up to this point. I'm trying to quit. No, you're not. You're a new person. Become it. Do it.
It's more than, it's more than just, I'm sorry, or I'm, I'm pitiful, or I can't. It's, it's, it's more than a cessation of action. It's a development of a new identity, because here's the great takeaway. In him, we are new creations. Man merits divine assistance in proportion to his efforts to achieve purity. I believe it. Make the effort. The king is in the field. Make the effort. Shabbat shalom.